Barashit bara Elohim et Hashemayim va'et ha'aretz. Amen. You're dismissed now. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. These are the words that open up the scriptures to us. And they tell us that the first thing we need to know, the first thing we need to know is that heaven and earth were created by God. They didn't just happen. This is so important for us to understand. And it requires that we humble ourselves before him. It's important for you and for me to understand some of the the times and seasons of God as well. As we celebrate Simchat Torah, we conclude the annual reading cycle of Torah. We, we read from Deuteronomy and then we roll back to Barashit to Genesis. We read from Genesis. And that rolling back process reminds us of something, that in God there, there are times of new beginnings. And this is a time of new beginnings. How many of you are ready for a new beginning? You know, at Rosh Hashanah, we're saying it's the new year, but it's only now, a few weeks later, that we're actually beginning to move in the new year according to the cycle of Torah. Are you with me? And in a sense, we've stood before God the King and we've said, we're sinners. And it's not just Messianic Jews who say this. It's not just Christians who say this. It's Jews all over the world saying, we are sinners, God. We are sinners in your eyes, which doesn't mean we're evil. It means we fall short. It means that God, who is holy and is the ultimate standard, is ultimate righteousness, but we are not. And we need sacrifice. We need atonement. We need a covering for our sins. And we also need forgiveness. But not only do we need those things, we need life with God. And when we come to these first words of Torah, we're saying, where does life come from? What is the origin of life? And what's fascinating is the Torah starts with God already existing. And in that way, it tells us that God is eternal. It doesn't start by saying God is eternal. It starts by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's as if everyone understands God already exists before the beginning. Before the physical universe comes into being, God is. And so this, this beginning of Torah, and even the first few chapters that we read, are intended to give us a picture of God. Now, later on, theologians work with this picture and they come up with all these delightful words like omnipresent. How many of you have heard that word? Do you know what that means? It means God is bigger than computers who are <laughs> now everywhere. Right? He, bigger than the World Wide Web. Bigger than CNN. Bigger than wireless. Bigger than everything. Omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. 
and theologians. I, I learned these words when I was a kid. Did you? Like omniscient? And maybe you forget some of these words. I don't, I don't use them very often because we rarely go around saying omnipresent. I mean, now, like in the technical world, people like to talk about ubiquitous. Am I right? How many of you used that word in the last week? I mean, isn't that amazing? You probably could go all the way through high school and not have a teacher use ubiquitous. And now, you, you know, to be a, a geek, you have to know this word. But I don't want to just keep going through the omnis about God because the scriptures don't really use those words. They tend to tell stories that reveal with nuance the nature and the qualities of God. So in, in Genesis, we are presented with different faces of God. And this is so important. If you have your Bibles, just open up to Genesis chapter 1, very sheet. And in the first two verses, we begin to see two faces of God. One is God who is described as Elohim, who is the... That's a word that's typically used to describe God when he is engaging in the kind of creation out of nothing that only God can do. He is the creator, and the second word, barashit, bara, bara in Hebrew is to create out of nothing, and it's the exclusive ability of God. He who has existed forever can create things out of nothing. By his will, by the nature of his being, he causes things to come into being. Later, the scriptures will say, God calls things that are not. God calls things that don't exist, and then they are. It's an amazing capability that God has. So here we have God who is eternal, meaning he is forever, and he's also outside of time and space. Do you see? He brings forth the physical universe, which means he is other than the physical universe. He is thus supernatural, which in its most simplest form simply means above nature and other than nature. He's not, let's say he can be everywhere, but that doesn't mean he's a tree. So if you want to hug God, hugging a tree is not exactly the way to do it. But this is one of the first faces of God, is God who is outside of the physical universe. I tend to think of God this way, that he is heavenly, meaning he's outside of our time and space world. That's one way. But there's another way, and it's in the second verse. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Ruach. Ruach, Elohim, was hovering over the faces of the water. So in one sense, God is outside of the universe, but here God is now present on the earth. And he is spirit, and he's creative, and he's engaged, and he's here on the earth, and he's there on the earth. He's everywhere. Where are the waters? Well, at that time, everywhere. 
in that early formation, God was present all over the earth. So he was everywhere. But now he's not the God who is distant from creation and above creation. He is the God who is present with all of creation. And he's invisible, and yet he does visible things. He exists in such a way that he's described as ruach, which in Hebrew means not only spirit, it means wind and breath, too. The Greek word pneuma, which was used to translate ruach, means the same thing. And so just blow some breath right now into your hand. And unless you've been smoking, you can't see it. You don't see breath. But blow on your hand as hard as you can. You feel it, right? You don't see it, but you feel it. You sense it. And I want you to notice this. You can blow on your hand and sense the, the breath, but it's not that you're thinking about breath. It's not an idea. Are you with me? It's, it's a force that has effects. So spirit is, is like breath. And now, if you don't mind indulging me, hold your breath for the next five minutes. And watch what happens. You won't actually hold your breath for five minutes. Do you know why? Because life is connected to breathing. And if you stop breathing, guess what? You're in big trouble. And so even though breathing in the physical sense is an autonomous and automatic function, yet if you intentionally stop it, you are having an effect on your life. So breath is also invisible, but it's connected to life itself. And then think of a sailboat. Have any of you been sailing ever? It's so nice to move without the sound of a motor going. And to catch the wind that, that engages the sails is a glorious thing. It can be thrilling when it's, you know, you're going faster, it's storming. But wind is another invisible thing. You don't see the wind, you don't control the wind, you catch the wind. The wind goes where it's going to go, and it does what it's going to do. So, like breath, like wind, like spirit, God is. So, in one sense, God is completely separate from and distant from creation. Am I right? That's how he can create the physical world of time and space. On the other hand, God is able to, to be present on the earth. But he can remain invisible. And you see what he does by the things that happen. And you recognize that the, the heavenly God who is invisible is still here. He's right here with us. And then there's another face of God. Go to verse 26. Where God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God has a likeness. He has an image. 
And it says in verse 27, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. And so now we know something. That God has some quality about him that can change from being invisible to visible. There's something about God that's not so separate from the universe and is not so invisible, but can actually become visible to human beings. And it's that image of God and that likeness of God that you and I have because we are human, because God has created us that way. That's who we are. That's what we are like. And then in the light of that, we become like these little beings who have the ability to interact with God. At the highest level, the level that the scriptures call covenant, which is not just relationship, it's a bond together, an unbreakable bond of commitment. Now let's look at just one last thing that's revealed here. And I'm, I'm using words that make sense to me. Theologians have some other words. They like to talk, you know, about other things. But I like to talk about the faces of God. One of the reasons I like to use that term is because most theologians don't use that term. And most religions and denominations don't use that term. And yet the scriptures are continually telling us about how God appeared and the face of God, and what it means to be present with God. So I like that. But you could think about manifestations of God. In fact, Judaism is occupied, especially um, mystical Judaism, with how does God manifest himself? How many emanations of God are there? But I don't want to get into later developments such as that. I want to look at Genesis, just the simple things. What does Genesis tell us about the face of God? The many faces of God. It's important to know this so we don't get stuck in someone else's categories and thinking and thus not be able to see what the scriptures are saying very simply and very clearly. And I am almost through. So verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. In the Hebrew where it says, The Lord God formed man. It's an interesting process that is describing here that can perhaps better be translated sculpted. He sculpted man. Now that's interesting because now we're not talking about God who is far away and separate from his universe or God who is invisible or just moving like wind or like spirit. But we're talking about God being a creative presence who is in one place at one time. Do you see that? He's, he's physically engaged with the physical universe in one spot and he's touching, if you will, that which will become man. He creates man in a different way. Now, after man is created and then woman is created, we go to chapter 3 and this is where we'll conclude. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. 
And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so he said, I heard your voice, or I heard your sound in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, without paying attention to the greater story that's being described here of Adam and Eve, of Adam and Chava, I just want to look at this very simple thing about the face of God that's revealed here. Now we're seeing God who is actually present in one space, in time and space with mankind, engaging with humanity in such a way that he is doing the things that men do. He's walking, he's present, he has a voice that can be heard. Do you see that? That's being described. Now, you could distance yourself as some do because of the implications of this and say, you know what, that's just imagery. It's just a poetic way in the language of man because Torah uses the language of man. But you have to ask yourself, why does Torah use the language of man? Because it's appropriate. That's why. Because to communicate who God is, you have to talk about him a lot of different ways. And sometimes you have to describe God in human terms because of his presence. Emmanuel, God with us. And when he is talking to Adam, it is not the spirit blowing or the wind blowing. It's God present. This is very important to help you form a sound theology, if you will, of Yeshua, the Son of God and Messiah, who he is. It will help you make a new beginning when you're reading Torah this year. To see the faces of God so that you don't get lost in other people's confused ways or limited ways of thinking. The scripture here is trying to communicate to us, God can be all of these ways present to his people. He can be in heaven, eternal and distant. We call him Abba, Father. But that makes us sons, does it not? And daughters, which means that we carry his image. We carry his, his qualities in us. Not perfectly, but enough that we're made in his image. And God can be spirit. He can be invisible. He can be moving on the face of the earth. Next week, we'll talk about another aspect of God and his spirit. And that is the spirit of God in us. And how God, who can be everywhere, can be somewhere. And he can be present as he was with Abraham eating in one place. Or he can be present as he was as Yeshua walking on the face of the earth. And yet that doesn't mean he ceases to be the God who is heavenly and the God who is spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope so because we're going to work on this for a few weeks To make sure that our own foundation for thinking about God and relating to God is broad, is as broad as the scriptures are and as deep as the scriptures are. That will help us make a new beginning. Let's just close with a simple word of prayer that it's time to make a new beginning. New beginnings in understanding will be necessary. New beginnings in the heart are necessary. New beginnings for actions. If you need a break from some things in the past, I mean a breakthrough, I mean you need to put some things behind you, that's, that's one group of people I want to pray for. If you just need to put some things behind you, stand up. But if you want to build on things that have gone before, and you're not, you're not just putting those things behind you, but you see, I, I've got a foundation. I want to add to it. Stand up and say, 
You know what? All of us need new beginnings, do we not? And Lord, we're standing here now before you. And we are saying we need new beginnings. Whether we need to be separate from things of old or whether we need to build on things in our past, we need a new beginning. And we ask, Lord, that you would open up our minds, that we would comprehend the Tanakh, we would comprehend that the scriptures would come alive to us. And I pray as we make a new beginning with the annual cycle of reading Torah, Lord, that it would be matched in our daily lives and that we would see your power revealed. We would see your, your nearness and presence on a day-to-day basis, that we would hear your voice, that we'd, we would hear the sound of your voice speaking to our hearts, to our spirits, speaking through your word, speaking as the Spirit does, spirit to spirit. You who are in heaven, and the God of heaven are also on earth and the God of earth. You who are our creator are also alive with us in our hearts. And we thank you, God, that you have many faces, that you manifest yourself in many ways, but you are simply the one true God. And in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Stand together with family, with friends, somebody nearby. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'era Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.